Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I am your co-host, Andy Rieger, joined as always by my buddy Matt Basinger of Swell Spark. Uh, today we're drinking some gin tonics. They're quite delicious. Really? <laughs> they wow. are awesome. That's well, that's what I put in your glass right there. Whether you drink it or not, that's on you. We are, as always, in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's episode is brought to you by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. No one loves to bank, but they love what their bank can help them achieve. Find your partner in someone who makes it all possible. That is Emprise Bank. I just, you never let me join you. I want to harmonize. We can harmonize later. Okay. <laughs> uh, we've, got, we've got our first uh, security guest today, and this is going to kind of be an interesting one. Dan Krumi, who's the president of Camdex Security Corp. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Dan, the first question, what, what do you do? What, what does Camdex do? Are you bouncers? We are not bouncers. Okay. We're not security guards. Yeah. Um, we are a security technology company. So we focus on video surveillance, access control, intrusion, commercial grade security products. So um, that's our, our main focus day in and day out. We work with a lot of other low voltage type products, but really focus on enterprise level systems um, with, with software that complements a lot of the security products as well. So, so are you guys the hardware provider? Or are you the software provider? Sort of give us a little bit deeper. Or the service provider. The yeah. Are, are you watching the screens and helping? Or are you designing the AI that senses things? So kind of all of the above. We're a, uh, a dealer and installer of a lot of products. So we work with our clients to, to design um, systems and help them select the right security technology or their offices, their buildings, their space. And then a part of that with where technology is moving is um, a lot of it's not necessarily replacing traditional security guards, but in today's world, we're using artificial intelligence on video surveillance cameras to, to track people, assets, and, and other things, um, not just in an office building, but uh, a campus environment, for example. Um, we can do a lot of that tracking with machine learning and, and AI. So that's a really big thing up and coming in, in the security industry. So how long has one your company existed? But I think more so, uh, like, how did you get involved in this? So, yeah, our company started in 1957. Uh, I guess technically I'm the fourth generation of family wow. to be involved in the company. What so, was it back then? So we started selling what are called Regiscope cameras. And those were in banks and grocery stores, and they would take, so if you went into a bank or a grocery store to cash a check, the Regiscope camera would capture a picture of the check and a picture of you as a person cashing that check, and we would develop that on 13 millimeter film. So we would work back then in, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, we would work with the FBI, local law enforcement, if somebody was trying to pass a, a bad check. And then we would develop that. We they, we had old um, light tables, so we would literally reel the film, find the check number, find the picture of you, print it on like eight and a half by eleven, and then we'd submit that, send it off to the FBI or whoever the the investigating uh, agency was at the huh. time. So that kind of morphed into it's fascinating, by the way. It's yeah, a it's really it's, cool so history. So the the technology progression from starting with rotoscope cameras to where we're at today is just really cool um, to see that progression over the years. So that morphed into bank surveillance cameras. 
recording on nine, nine or 13 millimeter film. And then uh, not DVR, but VCRs mm-hmm. recording on uh, VHS tapes. And then that morphed into digital video recorders. And now it's, you know, servers and, and that sort of thing. And, and really where the video surveillance market is going is, is all cloud-based. So it, it's, it's a really neat progression. So there's, you know, for a lot of businesses, they'll have over-the-counter, you know, security systems that they install themselves, and it's in a basement somewhere, probably recording. Um, what are the types of clients or customers that are opting for, hey, we really need something that's more significant, either because we have, you know, a bunch of whiskey sitting over here that people mm-hmm. can't take, or we have regulations, or this or that. So, like, who are your customers that you're working with uh, more often than not? So a lot of Fortune 500 and 100 companies that have multiple locations, not only across the United States, but across the world, um, and, and helping them standardize and centralize on, on one platform. So oftentimes what we find, even with some of the biggest companies in um, North America, they have different systems um, in different buildings or locations. So they're trying to you know, pull video footage or, or pull reports from the building, and, and they're having to access multiple softwares, multiple platforms. So one of one of our values and one of our big things is, is helping standardize and centralize and putting a technology roadmap together. So I think where, where we fit in uh, in the space is um, larger companies with multiple locations um, that really want to enhance their software, but but also uh, from a vendor management perspective, we find that as well. They're managing multiple vendors across the world, and it it just gets extremely cumbersome and complicated. Do you, do you guys do work with government as well? We do. So part of our one of our uh, big vertical markets is with the federal government. We're a, a GSA Schedule eighty four contract holder and have been for about ten years. Can you now. explain to the audience what that means? Yeah. So it, and we won't get into. There's a lot of uh, acronyms within you know the government world, but GSA is the General Services Administration, and it's a procurement vehicle or a contract vehicle for government agencies to be able to procure product as well as services. So when we say uh, a schedule holder within GSA, there's different contract vehicles. So Schedule 84 has to do with life, safety, and security. Um, so federal agencies can use that as a procurement be, uh, vehicle. So if I'm like the EPA here in Kansas City and I need to, uh, I want to upgrade my security system, I may go to the GSA folks and say, hey, I want to um, procure this, these products and services and use that as a contract vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, what does it take to get that business out of curiosity? I mean, a lot of people always hear about government contracts, but I mean, is it just like... RFP? Is it a relationship-based thing? How no, does that that's work? A, it's a great question. And, and something I tell folks all the time, even in the federal world, at the end of the day, it's all about relationships and networking. Um, it's just done differently. There's a lot more bureaucracy and red tape that, that you have to overcome. But um, a lot of it's RFP. And, and right now we're in the thick of it. The federal government's fiscal year end is September 30th. So most agencies are they have to spend the money that they were uh, given prior to the 30th or they lose, it goes away, right? So it's it's prime time for us, usually between June and mid-September. Um, so a lot of it's RFP, but um, 
at the end of the day, there's some agencies that say, hey, we really want to work with you, and they'll figure out a way to do it, make mm-hmm. that happen. The go- government seems like a, a good paying customer. <laughs> they I, I, are. I would assume they always pay their bills. <laughs> they usually pay their bills on time, and what, the terms are, are generally uh, favorable. So. What, what, what percent of your business do you guys either currently have that's government-based, or do you try to make as government-based? So we've always taken the approach that you know we don't want to be an exclusive government only vendor or contractor. Um, so I would say right now about forty percent of our business is um, with the government. And the is that just is that just federal, federal government? Oh, it is. Um, yeah, the majority is federal, and then uh, we do a lot of work with like the state of Kansas. So it's it's federal, state, and then um, local municipalities, cities. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of work with various municipalities, both on the Kansas and the Missouri side. So it, we really cover the gamut of government as a whole, I guess, from federal all the way down to a small uh, municipality or city with maybe 10,000 residents. So Seems like a good balance, though. Mm-hmm. In, like, detective movies and spy movies and all this, there's, like, this, it happens in all of them it's like enhance like Roger you know, Rabbit Roger mm-hmm. Rabbit is a great example no but like there, there's so much surveillance that I think people are, are becoming aware of there's a lot that folks are not aware of but are you even able to watch those movies or are they so blown out of proportion or are they pretty indicative of like the type of work that you do on a day-to-day basis I don't think I've ever had that question Matt that's that's an interesting question I think is it even an appropriate question for this show <laughs> I think so yeah. um, Hollywood does a good job of I think blowing some things out of proportion, but when when some of the technology that's shown, um, there a lot of that technology is available. Um, it's just really expensive technology, sure, right? But with with anything, as more manufacturers and um, as that technology becomes more readily available, just like video surveillance cameras, for example, that's a commodity nowadays, right? You can go on Amazon or or BestBuy.com or even Walmart and purchase a, a pretty good, pretty decent um, video surveillance camera. So, um, but I think Hollywood does a good job, um, but a lot of it I think is is blown out of proportion. So it's hard for me to sit through a movie and say, yeah, that's not realistic, <laughs> or well, that you know, some things that I've seen, that's eh, pretty realistic, yeah. you know, especially in the. Um, the military world with some of the the military movies and and that sort of thing. Um, That's fascinating. Yeah. So what? So going back to business, like how is business? Are you guys growing? Um, you know, you've had this, I guess, fourth generation. So you're, you know, it's a new era in in many ways. Talking about what you did compared to what you do. Like, what has the last year looked like? And then what are the next five years? What are you working on? So COVID um, and the pandemic has has been interesting. So going into 2020, we had a really strong backlog of projects and and 2020 was a a record year for us. But, you know, last year, um, last summer, we were talking about, you know, what 2021 was going to look like coming out of the pandemic. And I knew it was going to be challenging because you could see a shift with what a lot of companies were doing, especially in the commercial um, office type market, a lot of folks working from home, a lot of companies giving back real estate and, mm. and pushing people to work from home. Um, but I think one of the things that, that has helped us through 2021 is manufacturing and, and distribution. I mean, all over the country, we're seeing new manufacturing facilities being built, distribution sites. Obviously, here in Kansas City, there's a ton of new distribution facilities going up. Um, it seems like in every part of the metro area. So we've really 
focused in on you know the manufacturing and distribution space because in the property management and commercial space we've really we've seen not a hit but a decline um, as a lot of companies are trying to figure out you know coming back to work and what does that look like how many folks are going to come back into the office versus sure how many are going to stay at home so um, with, with that specific vertical that's been a challenge but um, again in the manufacturing space and then cannabis is has become um, an interesting part of our business as well we were fortunate enough to be involved in three i think three projects in missouri last year um, dispensaries and grow facilities so so what kind of security are you installing in those times like, like like walk like because listeners have no idea what's secured right we think of like a camera that you buy online that you just put up on a wall like right are you guys integrating like key card access fingerprint access and it's all in one system so you know that you know fred walked in the door mm-hmm. at this time and here's video of fred like how what is sort of like a, Fred's a shady character too he is yeah. he can so, be very yeah. shady we yeah. can also be very trustworthy <laughs> So in, in the cannabis market, um, it's, it's all dictated by the state, right? The, re- the security requirements. Minimum um, requirements. Correct. So a lot of um, just in cannabis alone with the seed to sale tracking, we're, we're integrating seed to sale tracking systems with the video surveillance systems, the access control systems as well. So if a seed or a plant comes in, we can track it throughout the facility with RFID scanners that integrate with the access control system. So we have that um, reporting and integration to not only track people, but we're tracking the assets as well. Um, And then outside of the cannabis market, a lot of the integration um, is between video surveillance and access control. So it's really one GUI or graphic uh, user interface where traditionally I may have three different softwares I have to go into. Now there's an uh, there's tighter integrations, and a lot of the manufacturers are doing a good job, working well together, playing nice with each other. Um, so from a user experience, you're using one system or platform to really manage all of your security technology uh, within a facility or a campus environment. Dan, we got to start wrapping up, which is a bummer because I just want to hear more. So we'll pepper you with lots of questions after the show, but. Uh, taking this away from business altogether, I have to ask, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? Oh, wow. Outside of business? Yep. Can't say marriage or kids. Those are, those are, lame. I think the coolest thing, I guess it'd be more experiences is, is traveling. Yeah. I uh, just love to travel and, and see different parts of the world and, and meet different people. Um, even just sitting at an airport bar, you never know, or a hotel bar, you never know who you're going to run into or talk to. Um, that's probably the coolest experience to me is, is just meeting new people yeah. everywhere I go. Well, we have a business that's operating on five continents. I can imagine that you've had some really cool experiences with that. So, um, thank you so much for making time to come hang out with Andy and I on behalf of Let It Fly Media. Me. Andy and me. Andy and me. Thank you for correcting my grammar. No problem. Andy. Grammar. That. <laughs> Close this out. You, nope. You, you, know. you got the close out, man. <laughs> On behalf of Swell Spark, Jay Rieger and Co. Distillery, Let It Fly Media, and of course, Emprise Bank, thank you for making time. Wish you continued success over the coming years, and, and we'll be interested to see how your industry continues to grow and change. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.